Hello and welcome to this episode of Coaching Chaos. I have 50 episodes of season one, so I decided when I hit 50, I'm going to start a new season. So this is season two, episode one, and thank you so much for any and all of you who have joined me this far. And it's the week of Joseph Smith, it's the week of Doctrine and Covenant introductions, and of course we have to talk about how the Doctrine and Covenants came about and how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was put back on the earth as the full and complete gospel of Jesus Christ. And we owe all of that to our beloved former prophet, Joseph Smith. And so I'm going to talk about him today and uh, celebrate him just like I did yesterday. And I hope that you will bear with me as I bear some more testimony on our beloved prophet Joseph Smith. So I'm taking my reflections from Tad R. Callister of the 70. Um, October 2009, Joseph Smith, prophet of the restoration. Yes, it's a wonderful talk. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. And he starts out by telling us to think for just a moment about a character, a personality in the New Testament that the Savior said to him, Oh, thou of little faith. And this man, in a moment of anger, cut off an ear of a high priest servant. And third, this man denied knowing who the Savior was on three different occasions, even though he had walked with the Savior daily. So, Similar attempts have been made regarding Joseph Smith. People get high focus on a fumble that he made during his lifetime that they completely miss the mark of the purpose of why he was here. I mean, after all, come on, folks, this guy was human. And for starters, he was 14 years old when he came into the Grove of Trees to seek out an answer to prayer. And during his lifetime, his life was threatened. His, the lives of his family, his children, they were threatened. And he knew he had a mission and a calling to go about bringing about what we now have as a global church today. Of course, he's going to mess up and make mistakes. He was human after all. And yet, let's focus on the wonderful things that he brought for our understanding to what we have today. Just keep in mind that Joseph Smith was the Lord's anointed to restore his church to the earth. He learned when he emerged from the grove of trees that God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, are two separate and distinct beings. Second, Great truth that Joseph Smith discovered was that the Father and the Son have glorified bodies of flesh and bones. Following the Savior's resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and said, Handle me, and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. The third truth that Joseph Smith learned was that God still speaks to man today, that the heavens are not closed. One need but ask 
these three questions. Once, once proposed by President Hubie Brown. Does God love us as much today as he loved the people to whom he spoke in the New Testament times? I believe he does. I know he does. Second, does God have the same power today as he did then? Oh, absolutely, of course. He's saving his best power for last. In fact, I think right now is where we, as we are faithful and we are going through these turbulent times, we can access his incredible power. He's got plenty of it to share to those who are faithful. And third, do we need him as much today as they needed him anciently? I can testify to that personally. Absolutely. I need my father in heaven. I've said this before. I must be a very, very weak spirit because I cannot do life without my father in heaven. I cannot do my life without the scriptures. I cannot do life without prayer. I do not know how anybody does life without our father in heaven. So I know that truly we need to have our father in heaven just as much as they did anciently and that he speaks to us just as much as he did anciently. Another truth that Joseph Smith learned was that full and complete church of Jesus Christ was not then yet upon the earth. Of course, there were good people and some components of the truth, but the Apostle Paul had anciently proposed, prophesied that the second coming of Christ would not come except there come a falling away first. And we know that that, that did happen. So in many ways, says Elder Callister, the gospel of Jesus Christ is like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. When Joseph Smith came on the scene, perhaps 100 pieces were in place. Then Joseph Smith came along and put many of the other 900 pieces together so we could all go, oh, okay, now I understand where this is all coming from. I understand why I'm here, and I understand where I'm going. I understand who my Father in Heaven is. I understand so much more about Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful personally that Joseph Smith provided this for my understanding. So one of the activities my husband is having his volleyball team do is he ordered a thousand piece puzzle that is a picture of the entire team. He had it created into a puzzle, a thousand pieces. And so what we were to do over the weekend was to put those thousand pieces together and then he was going to divide it up into baggies and split the, split it all up and give each one of the players a small portion of the puzzle. Then they were to put that piece of the that portion of the puzzle together and then contribute it to everybody else's portion that they put together. And I looked it up. How long does it take to put a thousand pieces together? And it's approximately 10 hours. So we were only able to put a portion of this puzzle together 
and nonetheless we were able to put all of one color together and one other section together another section together but Jeff was able to put much of the the team together and then he broke it broke it down and then he's divided up into baggies as best as he can and the idea is that they all see these puzzle pieces as they come together how it makes a complete picture it pulls together the larger view so you cannot take a look at one aspect of the church or you cannot look at one tiny portion of the gospel without understanding a little bit better about the entire gospel and having a whole view of it, all of it in place. And so Joseph Smith provided that to us. He provided so much for us to have a better understanding, a greater view, all the puzzle pieces. And the piece that's really, really important is your testimony, my testimony. Otherwise, there definitely is a gaping hole there. Once upon a time, there was a woman who was giving a Relief Society lesson. And she said, I've never forgotten this. You know, I have a testimony of the church. I have a testimony of this gospel, but I just don't know about the whole Joseph Smith thing. I, I think all of us were spending the rest of her lesson trying to pick our jaw up off the floor. And, and that's not to say that maybe you're in the same position, but that is like saying, okay, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, and I truly do. I would have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day if I could without feeling some kind of guilt that it's going right to my rear end. But I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so if I said I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I just don't know about the bread. What? So how would, how would you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You're certainly not going to waste that beautiful, yummy peanut butter and delicious jelly on iceberg lettuce. No, the foundation of that sandwich all begins with the bread. So how do we have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How was it placed back upon this earth if it wasn't presented in a plan to our foreordained prophet? And so it's very, very important that the greatest piece of the puzzle in the history of the world, in the history of your world, in the history of your testimony, in the history of mine, is that we snap our testimony right in place. And then the complete and whole picture is right there before us. We see it all. Our testimony is the bread. In spite of the flood of restored biblical truths, some honest searchers have commented, I can accept these doctrines, but what about all those angels and visions and Joseph Smith has claimed to have? It's hard to believe in modern times, just like that sister said in her lesson. To those honest searchers, we lovingly respond, says Elder Callister, were there not angels and visions in Christ's church in New Testament times? Did not an angel appear to Mary and to Joseph? Did not angels appear to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration? Did not an angel rescue Peter and John from prison? Did not an angel appear to Cornelius? Then to Paul before he was shipwrecked and to John on the Isle of Patmos. 
Did not Peter have a vision of the gospel going to the Gentiles? Paul, a vision of the third heaven? John, a vision of the latter days? And Stephen, a vision of the father and son? Well then, yes. Why couldn't Joseph Smith have angels and visions? Because he was to be the instrument in God's hands and to restore this very church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that that existed in primitive times. All of its powers as well as all of its doctrines, all of the keys, all of the priesthood, it is here. The puzzle is complete. But again, it is not entirely complete until our own personal testimony is snapped into place. Until we believe in that bread. Until we love that peanut butter and jelly on the foundation of that yummy, delicious bread. Yet sorrowfully, on occasion, some are willing to set aside the precious gospel truths restored by Joseph Smith because they get diverted on some historical issue or some scientific hypothesis not central to their exaltation. And in so doing, they they exchange, they trade out their spiritual birthright for a mess of pottage. He, he explains, they exchange the absolute certainty of the restoration for a doubt. And in that process, they fall into the trap of losing faith in the many things they do know because of a few things they do not know. So I pray that each of us will truly gain a testimony of that Joseph Smith thing. There will always be some seemingly intellectual crisis looming. You cannot go anywhere else in the world and get the complete package. You cannot go anywhere else in the world and get a box of a thousand piece puzzle set and have it all completely snapped into place as much as you can coming to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to this here, this restored gospel. So praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. Jesus anointed that prophet and seer. Blessed to open the last dispensation. Kings shall extol him and nations revere. Hail to the prophet ascended to heaven. Traitors and tyrants now fight him in vain. Mingling with gods he can plan for his brethren. Death cannot conquer the hero again. So, do miracles still exist? Absolutely. And so I'm going to tell you about miracles. I want you, when you have a moment, to look up Edward Bryant Bates. Look him up. He was just recently applauded or recognized for his 95th birthday in Madera, California. He's widely well-known in that area, but as you begin to read a little bit about his life, he participated in some global events that happened that that the that internationally were well known as his job as sheriff and with the FBI so look him up but he has his own miracles and witnesses witnesses to to visitations and i'm going to read this to you 
Three Miracles by Edward Bryant Bates. Miracle number one, an early morning dental appointment required some preparation on my part. So the evening before I went to my bedroom closet to lay out some clean clothing. I could then jump out of bed in the morning and quickly dress. Suddenly, clothing still in my hand, my deceased wife, Frida, who had died five years previously, appeared at the bedroom door. She was as clear and real to me as the clothing in my hand. She addressed me the way she always addressed me in our married life if there was something very important she was concerned about. She called me by my first full name, Edward, rather than the familiar Ed. She said, Edward, I want you to know that I am happy and joyful, and I want you to be happy and joyful too. Then she was gone. As quickly as she had appeared, I stood there holding my clothing, astonished at what I had just witnessed. I had never in my wildest dreams imagined that this could have occurred. My Frida, who I had loved more than anyone could possibly know, had just appeared to me from beyond the grave, and she said she was happy and joyful. She passed away five years ago, and I was settled in my mind that maybe someday when I were to die, I might see her again. I had hoped fervently that that would happen. And there I was now wondering at what I had just seen that my dear wife had come to me to deliver this message to let me know of her status in a realm I knew nothing of beyond the grave. The words she had spoken were so clear and beyond any sentiment I had ever heard. The words were constant impressions on my mind, but I kept them to myself. I dared not tell anyone what I had just experienced for fear they would think I had lost my grip on life. After all, I was in my 80s. So it's kind of interesting. This is exactly what happened. Joseph Smith, he saw these, this vision. He had this vision. And then he too tried to tell people about it. And they said that he was crazy. That that didn't happen. That was of the devil. So here, Mr. Bates, Ed, as we know him, one of my dad's dearest and best friends, had this experience. And he dared not tell anybody. So miracle number two. Wind Mountain, where I resided, had formerly been a horse ranch located at the end of a rugged dirt road, about a quarter mile off of a paved highway that led east out of town. It was remote enough that my nearest neighbor resided a quarter mile from me on the main paved road. Within two or three minutes, through, within two or three days after Frida's surprise visit, two young men came up the dirt drive to my cabin. Both were dressed in white shirts and ties and black trousers. Both were very clean cut and smiling. One approached me with his hand extended to shake my hand. I said my name was Mr. Bates and I asked what I could do for them. I was very curious to know why they came up my long walk, dusty road, a dirt path. Since nowhere is it posted, not on my mailbox or entry to my property. How did these young men find them, Find him? The first young man said, May we talk to you about Jesus Christ? Ed said, 
I considered myself Christian, even though the extent of my church attendance and devotions were limited to attending Easter and Christmas services. My wife, Frida, and I had prepared booklets dealing with our family's genealogy. We had accumulated large and extensive background of family origins and travels. We had obtained invaluable data in Salt Lake City from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Family History Library over several years of time. The young missionaries and I discussed the research Frida and I had done, and they were quite impressed. Our research uncovered some interesting facts. Frida and I were both descendants from Daniel Boone, and one of our ancestors were among the nobles who forced King John to sign the Magna Carta. Of course, our research terminated when Frida became ill and died. I told them that even though Frida and I had visited Salt Lake City to do our family history research, I knew very little about their church's doctrines, nor did I have much interest in learning about it, which prompted the missionaries to ask if I would now be willing to hear their story. I did have questions regarding the early church. Jesus had established, and in the New Testament, how was it related to the church today? It was reported that when Jesus came to his apostles three days after his death on the cross, they wanted to know what they should do. Preach the gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, he commanded. And so they did. They started small churches in many of the cities they visited, but they gradually, the apostles were killed off. And my question is, what happened to all those churches that they had established? The missionaries told me that a young man in upstate New York had asked his parents which church was correct to join. His father told him to pray about it. The young man did as the father told him, and the consequences of his curiosity resulted in the Book of Mormon. After a week of study about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I asked to be baptized. I asked one critical question first. What happens to the spirit or soul at death? Does one go to heaven or hell? The missionary explained to me that prior to the second coming of Christ, one would be in a spirit world where those who believed in Jesus and obeyed his commandments, they would be in a state where they would be happy and joyful. Mr. Bates said, You must be kidding me. My wife had come to me, not in a dream, but I was wide awake and told me that very same thing. They asked if she had been baptized by lawful authority, and I said, I don't believe so. So then they told me how she could be baptized by proxy after death. I was baptized shortly thereafter, and I immediately visited the family history room and asked how I could proceed with Frida's baptism. So here's miracle number three. He found out that his wife had already been baptized by proxy, I was told by his sister, Christofferson, my wife's mother was a Christofferson, and I recalled meeting Frida's first cousin who lived in Salt Lake City. I asked when this baptism for the dead, for Frida, in this instance occurred. Get this, it was the exact same day that Frida had appeared to Mr. Bates. And he knows that because he knew that he was getting ready for a dentist appointment and he had it on the calendar at the time. So he was able to go back and trace exactly when he had this visit from his wife. Did Jesus 
send Frida to me as a messenger to preach the gospel? Mr. Bates says, I think so. As the subsequent events proved, where did those two young missionaries come from? So soon after Frida appeared, how did they know my name? Why did they trek so far off the beaten path to my house? He says, in November, I will be 95 years old. I live alone in a small rented house in Oakhurst with my small dog, and I thank God every day for what has happened to me in my late life. I have been called to be a ward missionary, and I love to tell people of this series of miracles, which I believe absolutely was God's plan for me. I do not fear death. Frida and her family are happy and joyful. My family, going back several generations, are happy and joyful. Frida and I have been sealed in God's holy temple for all eternity, and I know of a surety we will always be together. Before Frida appeared to me, I was not a joyful person. Now I am happy and joyful, knowing my future with my dear wife, Frida, is assured. And now I know what great things my Savior has done for me, and I am eternally in his debt. So my dad has traveled with Ed and brought him here to Utah, where I was able to have lunch with him and be in the temple with him, as did my dad's sister and brother and my aunt Sue. It was a wonderful day. But you can look him up, Ed Bates, some background of of him. He attended the FBI, the National Academy of Quantico, Virginia. He attended the FBI command school, was a detective sergeant assigned to major crimes, elected sheriff for a three, four-year terms, instructor in criminology at California State University, Fresno, received his bachelor's and master's at California State University, Fresno. He was a polygraph examiner, an expert witness, superior court of superior court in California, an author of Arson Investigations, a textbook used by the FBI at Quantico, and True Tales of Outlaws and Rogues. So for fun, I googled him. I looked him up right there. Former Sheriff Bates turns 95 years old, and there's a young picture of him with a cowboy hat on. And it was fascinating to read about his story and some of the things that he'd been through. He was on the investigation team of the school bus that was kidnapped and then buried. It, it's a fascinating story. But I know him, and I know of his conversion story. And yes, he was visited by his wife. And yes, he was prompted and directed by his wife to join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She is happy and joyful. I am happy and joyful. You can be happy and joyful. We need to have that testimony of Joseph Smith, who brought about the Book of Mormon, who too was visited by angels, who too was visited by angels. And even greater, Joseph Smith was visited by Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father introduced Jesus Christ to him. Hear my beloved son, hear him. I know that these things are true. And I'm so grateful to know of the truthfulness of this gospel. I am so grateful that I did not have to wander throughout my life wondering, why am I here? What is the purpose of this life? I knew from a very early age that this church is true. 
That is a precious gift of the Spirit given to me. I pray that you may know that this church is true, but even that this Joseph Smith thing is true. Because it is. Truly, these things have come to pass. And I'm grateful for the witness that I have of this. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Happy and Joyful. May you come to understand what that means. See you next time here on Coach and Chaos.